I want you to think of something in life that you really, really want, something that you really desire. All right, now think about what lengths you would go to to get this thing that you want. All right, give you some examples. Uh, maybe this is something as simple as uh, a, a new car or just transportation at all. Uh, maybe it's that your, your favorite team has finally made the Final Four for the first time in history and it's going to be in Charlotte. And, and, and what links would you go to to get tickets to that? Uh, maybe your favorite band is coming to the, the Spartanburg Auditorium. You know, not George Jones or Gladys Knight on their final tour, which we seem to get a lot of times, but, but Mumford & Sons or, or, or whoever, you, whoever you like, whoever you're into, they're going to be in Spartanburg. What links would you go to to get tickets to that concert to make sure you were there? I think about people. Uh, maybe there's somebody that you've desired a relationship, somebody you wanted a date with, and you finally have that date. What links would you go to to make sure that that night goes well? To make sure that there's a second and a third date. Uh, when there's something we really want, when there's something we really desire, we'll go to great links uh, to make sure that we get it. Let me ask you a question in a slightly different way. What links would you go to to build a relationship, to get to know a sexually immoral outcast of a different race and a different religion with the goal of showing that person the love of Jesus Christ? What links would you go to? Or those of you who are in school, think of the, the person in your school or maybe some of your classes that's just an outcast. What links would you go to to build a relationship with this person, this person that you really wouldn't want to be seen with in public? What links would you go to to build a relationship with them in order to show them the love of Jesus Christ? What links are you going to now to build those relationships, to establish those relationships? Aren't we all glad that, that Jesus loves people more than we love people? That Jesus loves others more than we love others. And you may be saying, well, Justin, it's awfully early in the sermon to be guilting me like this. Um, well, I'll give you some gospel in a minute. It's okay. Um, but, but here's the idea. I'm not, I'm not trying to guilt you into doing anything. But I want us all to look at our hearts and ask the question, okay, why am I not pursuing this sort of relationships? Why am I not pursuing these people? What's going on inside of me that prevents me from doing that? Uh, we're in this series on the mission of the church. What is the mission of the church of Jesus Christ? And we've looked at it from different angles, uh, but it all kind of boils down to this. The mission of the church is to go and to make disciples, to go and to proclaim the gospel, to proclaim the good news that Jesus has come into the world so that you and I might find freedom from the things that enslave us so that we might be forgiven of our sins, so that we might have a relationship with God, that we might know the Father, that we might experience eternal life. Uh, most of us, as we've talked about that, you're probably saying, yeah, I'm in agreement with that. I think that is the mission of the church. That's what the church ought to be doing. And hopefully as we've been going through this, you're beginning to embrace this as your mission, that it's not just the mission of this nebulous thing called the church, but it's my mission as a part of the church of Jesus Christ. But even if you're, if you're getting there in your head, 
Uh, it's one of those things that you know, sometimes it looks better on paper than it does in real life, right? Uh, it's much easier to talk about and be convicted about and say, uh, yes, I should be doing that than it is to actually do. And this is where the mission, the text we're going to look at today, is where the mission gets down into the nitty-gritty of our lives. Are you and I really willing to pursue people with broken, pursue people, to pursue relationships with broken people, with messy people, uh, with difficult people, not just pray for the mission of the church, not just organize uh, evangelistic events, but actually pursue messy people and get involved in their lives and let them get involved in our lives so that we can show them the love of Jesus Christ. And what would it look like if we actually did that? All right, that's what I think this text is going to show us. Uh, so look with me, John chapter 4. Um, don't worry, I'm not going to, we're actually not going to read all of this. I know you're all a little nervous looking at the size of the text today. Uh, we're going to read down through verse 26. But starting in verse 1, it says God's Word. Now when Jesus learned that the Pharisees had heard that Jesus was making and baptizing more disciples than John, although Jesus himself did not baptize but only his disciples, he left Judea and departed again for Galilee. And he had to pass through Samaria. So he came to a town of Samaria called Sychar, near the fields that Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, so Jesus, wearied as he was from his journey, was sitting beside the well. It was about the sixth hour. A woman from Samaria came to draw water. Jesus said to her, Give me a drink. For his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, How is it that you, a Jew, ask for a drink from me, a woman of Samaria? For Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is that is saying to you, Give me a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. The woman said to him, Sir, you have nothing to draw water with, and the well is deep. Where do you get that living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob? He gave us the well and drank from it himself, as did his sons and his livestock. Jesus said to her, Everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks of the water that I will give him will never be thirsty again. The water that I will give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so that I will not be thirsty or have to come here to draw water. Jesus said to her, Go, call your husband and come here. The woman answered him, I have no husband. Jesus said to her, You are right in saying I have no husband. For you have had five husbands, and the one you now have is not your husband. What you have said is true. The woman said to him, Sir, I perceive that you are a prophet. Our fathers worshipped on this mountain, but you say that in Jerusalem is the place where people ought to worship. Jesus said to her, Woman, believe me, the hour is coming when neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem will you worship the Father. You worship what you do not know. We worship what we know, for salvation is from the Jews. But the hour is coming and is now here when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For the Father is seeking such people to worship Him. God is spirit, and those who worship Him must worship in spirit and truth. The woman said to Him, I know that Messiah is coming who is called Christ. When He comes, He will tell us all things. Jesus said to her, I who speak to you am He. Would you pray with me? 
Father in heaven, uh, we pray now for the understanding of your word. Uh, I pray that you would bless my preaching uh, and that you would bless our hearing so that we would indeed see and understand uh, and be changed by your great love for sinners. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, if you don't hear anything I say for the next few minutes, uh, hear this. Jesus goes after sinners. Jesus goes after broken people. And all we're doing this morning is is fleshing out what that looks like. Uh, Jesus going after broken people. People who are different from him. Uh, The first thing we see in this text is that Jesus is, is intentional in his pursuit of people. John tells us here in verse 3 that Jesus left Judea in order to go to Galilee. Then he tells us in verse 4 that in order to do that, Jesus had to go through Samaria. Now, if I were to put a map up here of, of that area, you would say, well, of course he had to pass through Samaria to get there. Just the same way we have to pass through Georgia if we're going to get to Alabama. That just makes sense. But here's what the map wouldn't tell you. Uh, in Jesus' day, Jewish people usually didn't just go through Samaria. They didn't, they didn't take that route. In fact, there were a couple of uh, longer routes around Samaria, and they would usually take one of these longer routes. Instead of going the direct route, they would go out of their way to avoid going through Samaria. Why? They didn't want to come into contact with any Samaritans. Uh, those of you who are, are Harry Potter fans... Uh, think of somebody from Slytherin House and how they would feel about muggles or mudbloods. All right, that's the way Jews felt about the Samaritans. Uh, the Samaritans were not racially pure in the eyes of the Jews. They were not religiously pure in the eyes of the Jews. They had intermarried with people from other nations. They had intermarried with people of uh, other religions. And so the Jews saw them almost as these half-breeds who were practicing a little bit of Old Testament religion, a little bit of uh, pagan whatever. Uh, They were just this mixture. They even had built their own place to worship somewhere other than Jerusalem. They said, now you don't need to go to Jerusalem. This is where you're supposed to worship God. And so the Jews hated the Samaritans. They despised them. There's even a saying that if you're a Jew and you're walking down the road... And a Samaritan was coming from the other direction. You should get off of the road and walk in the ditch so that your shadows didn't touch each other. Okay? There's some, some pretty serious hatred that's going on here. So then, in light of that, why does Jesus, who is a Jew, have to go through Samaria? Why does he have to go through Samaria? Jesus has to go through Samaria because there's a woman at a well there who he wants to meet. There's a woman at a well there who doesn't know the love of his father, who doesn't know the forgiveness of his father, and Jesus wants this woman to know his father. And in order for for this woman to know his father, Jesus has to go through Samaria. In fact, he has to go through Samaria and all the way to the cross if she is to know his father. And so he intentionally goes to this woman. He intentionally seeks her out. Uh, You may be here this morning, maybe you're not a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ. It may be that this morning Jesus Christ 
is intentionally seeking you out so that you might know him, so that you might know his father. You may be here and you may be a believer in Jesus Christ. Well, it wasn't that you went out of your way to find Jesus, is it? Jesus went out of his way to find you, to draw you into a relationship with himself. He intentionally did this. He intentionally left comfort. He intentionally left security. He intentionally went to the cross in order to rescue you. And now he's intentionally calling you to leave behind your comfort and your security to go after others that they might know the love of God as well. And y'all, this is, uh, this is the mission of the church uh, that we've been talking about. And, and, and it's not something that you can just kind of fall into. Uh, you have to be intentional about it. I think some of us pursue the mission of the church the way we pursue watching a television show that we kind of want to watch. You know, that looks interesting. And if I happen to be home that night and it happens to be on when I'm flipping channels and I happen to find it, then I'm, I'll, I'll watch it. All right, now, now, how do we act when we're intentional about something we want to watch? All right, this is what I do anyway. We find out when it's coming on. We, we get the DVR. We set it to record. We move it to the top of the list so that nobody else's show records over it. And then we password protect it so nobody can accidentally delete it. <laughs> And that's why Breaking Bad is first in our list and, and Biggest Loser is 500th. No, it's not anymore. Um, it's going to move up now. Um, we're intentional about these things. If there's something we want to watch, we're intentional about making sure that we can watch it. We just don't, well, maybe it'll be on when I sit down and then I'll watch it. So what does it look like then for me to be intentional about the mission of the church. And, and we've been talking about this some over the last couple of weeks. But what does it look like for me to be intentional about this mission of the church? It, needs to be, it means I need to be intentional about living a godly life. Intentional, uh, intentional about my relationship with Jesus Christ. Intentional about prayer. Uh, intentional about looking for opportunities to build relationships with people who aren't believers. Intentional with people. Uh, let me give you a few suggestions for, for how you might do this, how you might begin to develop relationships uh, with other people. Uh, one is this, eat with somebody else outside of your faith family or outside of, of your physical family. Right? you got three meals a day. Um, don't just sit by yourself. Don't just sit with somebody you know already. Try to eat with someone you don't know. Be a regular. And we've talked about this before. Uh, if you go to the grocery store once a week, try to make it the same day every week at the same time. If you go and work out, try to get in a habit about, all right, I'm going to go to this place on Monday at 7 and this place, I'm going to be there Tuesday at 3. Whatever it is, try to establish a regular schedule in the places that you go so that you begin to run into the same people over and over again and have opportunities to build relationships with them. Um, hobby. With, with non-Christians. Don't join the Christian gym. Um, just, just join the gym and, and get to know the people uh, who are there. Uh, talk to your co-workers. Walk around your neighborhood. Figure out when people are out and about and intentionally be out and about. Volunteer with a non-profit. 
Not necessarily a Christian nonprofit. Just volunteer with a nonprofit. Get involved in the life of the city. Learn to serve your neighbors. These are all things we've been uh, talking about uh, over the last few weeks. And I've been thinking about this some more and, and what it would look like for this to actually come off of the paper, so to speak, and into my life, uh, into our lives uh, as a church. And some of it we talked about last week is simply to invite people to do something that you're already doing anyway. I'm not saying necessarily that you've got to add more things into your life, but invite people to come along with you in something that you're already doing anyway. Some of it is just me reminding myself and us reminding ourselves, I really want this to be a part of my life. It's like anything else. I mean, you can say, I'm going to do this, and then we get kind of caught up in the busyness and, oh, yeah, yeah, I was going to try to be intentional uh, about these things. Some of this helped me a great deal. I went through a a Bible study last fall, and the book we were reading suggested um, thinking through your life in different areas of your life, uh, your work, your family, your children, uh, your parenting, uh, your relationships with other people. What are your goals in each area of your life? Where do I want to be in 10 years in terms of my relationship with my spouse? What do I want my children to look like? What do I want to be like when I'm, when I'm old, when I'm retired, all right? What do I want my faith to look like at that point in my life? Where, what do I want my relationships with, with unbelievers to look like? And then take those, and you can put them in the notes on your phone, or what I did is I just took some index cards, and you write those down and just look through them every day. And it's amazing to me how I kind of go, oh, yeah, this is a goal in my life, but I'm doing nothing to actually get there. I'm just kind of hoping that it's going to happen. And hope's not a plan, is it? Um, And so we have to be intentional about how am I actually going to to take opportunities to be missional, to love people who are around me? Uh, How am I going to structure my life today so that I have the margins to actually be involved in the lives of other people? Again, some of it may simply be invite people to do what you're already doing. For some of us, it may be, oh, I actually do, my life is, is so busy, I do need to cut some things out so that I actually have time for people besides me. Uh, some of us, it may be we look at our lives and we actually do have margins, but they're filled up with hours at a time on Facebook or on the computer or whatever. We're like, wow, there's chunks of time that I could actually redeem, uh, that I could actually use to build relationships with others. All that to say is be intentional. Be intentional in your pursuit of other people as Jesus is intentional here. Uh, the second thing we see in this is that Jesus crosses barriers. Right? And they're, they're pretty significant barriers, aren't they? We've already seen some of these. Her race was a problem. Her religion was a problem. Her gender is even a problem. Uh, at that time... Jewish rabbis didn't have women as their disciples. Uh, Women's testimony was not admissible in a court of law. In fact, uh, there was supposedly a prayer of the Pharisees that went like this, Thank you, God, that I am not a Gentile, but a Jew, not a slave, but am free, not a woman, but a man. Okay? Um, That's the environment that that Jesus is, is living in. 
And so her race is a problem. Her religion is a problem. Her gender is a problem. Her sin is a problem. She's been married five times. All right, and that was, that was a huge deal back then. And the man she's with now is not her husband. She's shocked up with somebody. And yet, here is Jesus coming to her and saying, give me a drink. Give me a drink. And, and notice her reaction to this in verse 9. How is it that you, a Jew, ask for a drink from me, a woman from Samaria? What are you doing? Why are you talking to me? Uh, there's a movie from several years ago, Mississippi Burning, and, and there's a scene where an FBI agent enters a segregated restaurant in the 1960s in a small southern town. And there are t- tables for the white people in the front and for the African Americans in the back of the restaurant. And the, F- the white FBI agent walks into the room and he goes to the back of the restaurant and he sits down at the counter that's for blacks only. He had crossed a line that you didn't cross in that culture. And that's what Jesus is doing here. He had crossed, he crossed several lines that you just didn't cross in that culture. He's even going against some of the Jewish religious rules, not necessarily rules of the Bible, but some of the rules they had created because they weren't even allowed to share eating utensils with Samaritans because they thought that they were unclean. And so Jesus crosses a line intentionally to pursue a relationship with this woman. Do we still have any barriers like that? What are, what are the barriers that are keeping you from pursuing relationships with other people? Maybe they're Christian subculture rules. I can't go to a place like that. I can't be seen in a place like that. What will people say if they see me there? Maybe they are still racial barriers. Maybe they're not racial barriers as much anymore, but maybe they're socioeconomic barriers now. That certain people are too far beneath you for you to have a relationship with. Or maybe somebody's too far above you for you to feel like you can have a relationship with them. Maybe there are cultural uh, barriers that prevent you from having relationships with other people. Could you really love somebody that was in your eyes, was this snotty-nosed little redneck baby whose mama looked like she was on crystal meth? It makes you a little uncomfortable when I say it like that, doesn't it? But, but, but that's what you're thinking in your mind sometime when we see other people. There are, there are barriers that exist that we don't want to cross. Maybe the barrier is just our own idolatrous pursuit of happiness and comfort and peace and affluence. What are the barriers that we need to cross? What are the barriers you're afraid to cross? I've told this story before, but I, I think it bears repeating because I, I really do mean this when I say it. I, I saw a, um, a digital sign a couple of years ago for a church in the area. And, and on the sign, it was a message board, and it had, uh, it had beer, a picture of beer, and a picture of cigarettes. And then it had a skull and crossbones flashing. And something like, danger, stay away from sin, avoid, avoid these things. And I tell you, I couldn't get away with it, but, but I would love to, if I could, have a billboard with the Marlboro Man out front. 
with Grace Presbyterian Church underneath it. And a sign that said, Smokers and drinkers welcome at Grace Presbyterian Church. Are you tired of hiding in the liquor store and smoking out back? <laughs> well, then, then, then come on. We want you to come and be a part of our church. Are you, are you tired of feeling like you don't have anything you can wear to church? Not the right church clothes. Tired of feeling like there's not a place where you can voice your doubts and be honest about them. Tired of feeling there's not a place where you can struggle and be honest about your sin. Tired of feeling like I really am this woman at the well from Samaria. That's what my life looks like. But I can never tell anybody that in a church. We want to be a church where you can own up to that. Where you can experience the grace of Jesus Christ. We want to be a church that crosses barriers. But in order to be that kind of church, we as individuals have to be willing to cross barriers ourselves. We have to cross barriers and intentionally pursue relationships with people who aren't like us. Jesus is intentional. Jesus crosses barriers. And then Jesus shows this woman respect. He recognizes the image of God in her. Notice where he starts. He doesn't start with, you know, you really need to repent because I am the Son of God standing here. All right? He doesn't start by saying, you Samaritans, you've got, you're so wrong about everything. I mean, he does. They have an interaction here. But it's not where he starts with her. He starts by asking her for a drink of water. He simply asks her for a drink of water. Now look, Jesus, I think, could have probably provided water for himself, couldn't he? I mean, he could turn water into wine. He doesn't have to have this woman give him any water. But he asked her for a drink. He asked her to help him with something. He's saying, in spite of what the Jewish people think of you, in spite of what you may think of yourself even, I think you have something to offer me. I think you have something to offer me. I need your help. I need your kindness. You're not just some worthless, adulterous, half-breed idolater. You are someone who is made in the very image and likeness of God. And by asking her for a drink, he's honoring that image of God in her. Uh, and the movie, The Help, the, the African-American made, is, is it Abilene? Help people, is that her name? Well, anyway, there's, there's a character there, and there's the, the white family that she works for. There's this little girl who's always being shamed. She's always being criticized. And Abilene will come up to her later and say, you're smart, you're kind, you're intelligent, you're important. And what's she doing? She's focusing on the image of God in that little girl. She's encouraging her. Uh, uh, think, about, think about Lance Armstrong. All right, if, if you had a chance to talk to him about the gospel, where would you start? Would you start with, you are such a cheater. How could you, you really need to repent and, and give all your awards back. You have, you have messed up so badly. Or would you start with maybe thanking him for what he's done to fund cancer research? Because it's a really good thing that he's done. As, as, as Jim Gaffigan said, 
Is everyone still fake mad at that bike rider who raised millions of dollars to fight cancer? Okay? Where would you start with him if you had an opportunity to have a conversation with him? Uh, if, if we're going to share the love of Jesus Christ with the people around us, we have to see people uh, not as enemies, not as people that we're competing against for cultural power in the culture war, not as someone who is, whose sin might contaminate you, but as people made in the image of God, people who actually have something to offer to you, that they can help you. I think one of the, the reasons we don't reach out to people around us is we kind of get to this place as believers as we see ourselves as the ones who are all uh, put together. Uh, and that the, the people around us need to, to get their act together and simply be more like me. But look at us. We're morally flawed. Our families are messed up. Our, our theology isn't perfect despite what we might like to think. We're weak and we're needy. And people around us, people who aren't Christians even have things that they can offer to us. Uh, Dan Doriani, uh, he's a minister, says this about his father. He says his father was actually a committed communist, but that his parents had one of the best marriages he had ever seen. And he said this, just stop one day and take the time to think about who grew and prepared the food you eat, who designed and made the clothes you wear, the house you live in, the car you drive, and the computer you use. Every day of our lives, every Christian in the world is benefiting from the wisdom and talents of non-Christians. Let us humble ourselves and learn at Jesus' feet to be thankful for this constant reality. Jesus is intentional. Jesus crosses barriers. Jesus shows respect for her as someone who's made in the image of God. And then Jesus carries on a respectful discussion with her. I mean, just from the passage, the passage doesn't tell us everything they, that they talked about, but we know that they talked about the living water that only Jesus can give. We know that they talked about Jacob, that they talked about what the proper place for worship is, that they talked about what true worship looked like, that they talked about the Messiah who was to come. There's a conversation going on here. And I think one of the best things that we can do as believers, you know, when, when, when Christians start talking about evangelism, we think, all right, I've got these questions, and I've got to get this person to answer these questions right, and I've got to get them to, to profess faith in Christ, and I, and I need to do it in the context of the next hour. And I think one of the best things we can do as Christians in relationships with unbelievers is simply learn to listen. To listen. To find out more about them. To find out more about what they believe. And y'all, that's not just a technique. But it's showing respect for them as someone made in the image of God. And it's also helping you to begin to to answer the questions they're actually asking. Instead of just the questions we think they ought to be asking. Uh, Instead, we listen. We respect them. And we try to figure out where they might be thirsty where we can point them to Jesus Christ, the one who supplies living water, to the place we can point them and connect them to the gospel, the place we can connect them to Jesus Christ. We have to listen to do that. And then the last thing here, Jesus does point out her sin. He doesn't just say, oh, it's okay, don't worry about it. 
he does point out her sin, but he does it gently, he does it graciously, and then he points her to himself. He points her to himself. Uh, verse 26, I who speak to you and he, I'm the Messiah, I'm the one that you need. He's not uncomfortable being around this woman. He draws her into conversation. He draws her to himself. He communicates love and compassion to her. Ask, we should ask ourselves, what are we communicating in our relationships with people who aren't like us? What are you communicating to people of other religions? What are you communicating to somebody who might be an atheist? What are you communicating to people who are messy, to people who struggle with addictions? Uh, what are you communicating to people who are more put together than you are? What are you communicating to people who are different? Right, we have a hard time with relationships with people who aren't like us. Are we trying to communicate graciously to them their need of Jesus Christ? Or do we just want to be more like us, more like me? Uh, there was a book that came out three or four years ago, and it was titled Unchristian. Uh, and in it, somebody from the, the Barna Research Group, who is a believer, he and some other people went out and, and surveyed people who would say that they were not Christians to, to find out what their attitude was about Christians. In other words, how do, how do, how do Christians come across to you? As an unbeliever, how, how do Christians actually come across to you? And these were the, the big categories they said, they came up with. They said Christians are hypocritical, that they're too focused on conversion, that they're anti-homosexual, that they're sheltered, that they're too political, and that they're judgmental. As, as we're, and we're trying to take people good news. And that's the perception that people often have of what Christians are like. That's a barrier, isn't it? How do you cross that barrier? How do you overcome that? Now certainly there are some things that are going to be offensive. You can't water down the gospel. You can't water down the scriptures. But you can intentionally cross barriers looking for people to love who aren't like you and graciously pointing them to Jesus Christ. How do I get there? How do I get to where, where I'm that type of person? Well, in order to get to where you, where you can be that type of person, you have to first of all see that you are, I am the woman at the well. That's me. That's us. I'm the one whose race and religion and culture is messed up. I'm the, ones, I'm the one with skeletons in the closet. I'm the sinner, and yet Jesus Christ has graciously and intentionally pursued me, and he pursued me all the way to the cross. And as I get that, and as I see that, as I believe that, that Jesus has given himself for me, then I'll be more willing and able to give up my life for others so that they might know him. Let's pray. Father, we do thank you for the good news of the gospel. And we do ask you to forgive us that so often it doesn't come across as good news from us. We do ask you to forgive us that we don't pursue people the way you pursued us. 
would you change us? Would you help us to see how gracious and loving and kind you've been to us? Would you help us as we move out into uncomfortable relationships? Would you help us to love people and show them uh, respect, treat them with dignity, uh, but Father, graciously point them to their need for Christ and their need for a Savior? Uh, Would you help us to do that? And would you be working through us and over and above us so that people would believe the gospel and know you? We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.